So grab your Bibles. We're going to go Luke 2. We're going to look at this, uh, kind of answer the question. If you want a title for today, just it's a question. Why? How many of you have ever had that question in your mind? Anybody that have that one echo? Why? Like, why is this happening? What's going on? What's the, the, the point? Like, what, what's going to come from this? What good is going to happen from this? And so if you would, let's kind of answer that question and let's look at the Christmas story to find that. So read with me if you would. And, and, and verse number two is where we, we're going to start. It says, this was the first census taken since Quirinius uh, 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 was the governor of Syria. So you understand the setting that we're seeing is that Joseph is about to go back, taking Mary with him, and they are going to pay their taxes. They're going to get counted. They're going to do the census thing. So verse number three, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to their firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks and sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And in the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that there will bring you great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped in snugly strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an, uh, with that angel joined by a vast multitude of a host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those with whom God is pleased. Today, we're going we're gonna to answer a few questions, and I, I want you to kind of look at your lives and examine this. You know, two things we learned right off the bat from the Mary and Joseph story is that God does things sometimes at inopportune times in inopportune places. Would you agree with that? Now, I, I, I know this, and we talked about this many times before. It would be awesome if my schedule and God's schedule would line up. But oftentimes, my schedule is exactly that, mine. And most times, if I'm not careful, it does not line up with God's schedule. Now, my actions, my abilities, my, my, time, my talents, and, and my focus should line up with God always. But there are times in our lives that we feel like we need to go here, do this, and get this done. And we think that's the way that life should be. But oftentimes, God has you in a place at a weird time to do something that is weird for you to do. And so we're going to look at this. And if you look at this, it says in verse number six, and while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. So let's look at God's inopportune timing. Can I, can I tell you this? I, I wrote three, these three things down. What God calls us to do rarely fits our schedule, rarely feels like it's at the right time, and rarely makes sense. Anybody say amen to that? I mean, it, it rarely fits into what we got going on. Um, it, how many of you have ever had the uh, unplanned detour in your day? Um, I remember years ago, um, at, at, at a time when we weren't coming to the campus much, um, God told me to come by and to sit down 
with one of our pastors, Pastor Dennis, and just have a conversation. I wasn't supposed to be here that day. My work schedule for real estate was slammed that day, and, and, and it was just heavy on the heart. And so all of a sudden, one of my appointments canceled, and, and I came to the church, and I sat and I talked with him. And, and I'll be honest with you, we're friends, so the conversation was good. But I, when I left and got my car, it didn't feel like, okay, this was some supernatural moment. Like, what was the point in that? I just wasted an hour of my life, even with a good friend, still didn't really feel this supernatural boom that I expected God to do with this detour. How many of you have ever been there? You go to church and you have a need, or you go to your small group and you have a need, and you're expecting in that service, or you're expecting in that small group, you're going to get the answer that's just going to be the billboard flashing that says, this is for you, and you sit through the whole thing, and you get good word, because God's word's never bad, and you, and you get good truth, but you don't get exactly what you were looking for. How many of you have ever had that happen? All right. I try not to take that personal, but it's okay. All right. But here's what happened. I got in my car and I started to leave. And when I left, there was a car at the end of our driveway, halfway blocking the driveway. I pull over, I get out of my car and I walk around and it was a kid that I used to have in my youth group about 13 years ago. And his tire had blown. And I walked around the corner and he's sitting there with tears in his eyes, broken down, unable to change his tire. What he didn't realize is God did not send him help that day because I am terrible at it too, all right? But what he did, we did, we got it done. That's the end of the story. But as we sat there, he said, it would be you. He looked at me, it would be you. And I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? He was like, I broke down and here I am at this place. I'm in a terrible season of life. And he just starts bawling and pouring out his life. His lifestyle at that time was not where it needed to be. And he knew it, he was admitting it. I, 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 literally, to break it down, there was a lot of abuse going on physically, mentally, emotionally in his life. And as we stood there, he started crying, and he was like, I would break down here, and it would be you. And I was like, man, do you even have a clue what's going on in my life right now? And he said, no. And I told him all my story. He looked at me, and the tears drove up, and he said, I can't believe that that's true. And I was like, this is where I am. I said, but let me tell you the truth about today. This is not where I was supposed to be. I had other appointments and I had other things. I came here today because I, I felt like God was going to give me a word. I felt like I needed lifted up and I felt like I needed a boost and I felt like it was about me. And I think sometimes if we're not careful, that's how we come into the presence of God, as if that moment is about us. But we need to learn from Moses and we need to learn from Abraham that sometimes God brings you into his presence and the story's not about you. It's about the people that God wants to reach through your life. And so I get there and I'm like, hey, this is where I am. I'm broken, man. You're sitting there saying you're dirty, me too. You're sitting there saying you're not perfect, me neither. But I'm going to tell you this, God loves me. And I know that he loves you because I'm not supposed to be here and neither are you. This isn't the place nor the time neither one of us wanted to be. But you matter. And he stood up, we hugged, we cried. We figured out the tire an hour later. <laughs> but sometimes I realize this, that the detour in our lives, it, it, it might not be about us. It might not be about who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to desire and what we're supposed to want. It can be, hey, can we just say this? Can we give a spoiler alert here? What if the manger wasn't just about Jesus being born in some weird, unique place? What if the manger and the whole point of the manger was there was a group of shepherds that had been left out, a group of shepherds that had been worthless working a third shift, a group of shepherds that nobody cared about that God wanted to reach first with the birth of his son? And so Jesus came to a lowly place at a weird time because there were some dudes in the field that needed to know they mattered. 
There were some guys that needed to know that God had seen them. And so I know that some of you may be sitting here in a weird timing season that doesn't make sense. And you might be sitting here saying, what is God trying to teach me? And there is true. Two things to understand, that God will use weird seasons, weird timings to teach you lessons. Write that in your notes, that's true. But not everything's about you. Write that underneath it. Not everything's about me. Sometimes the story's been written for someone else. Elizabeth, we talked about her last week, is pregnant and six months into her pregnancy. Why? Because a virgin named Mary is pregnant and needs to know that God does miraculous things and she's not crazy. And so they can come together and a baby can jump in a womb and Elizabeth can look at somebody who is at a weird place in her journey and say, God's favor is with you because you're doing what he said. So please understand this. Yes, God can teach you a lesson, but sometimes God uses our lives in very unique ways because you're going to come in contact with somebody at just the right time to meet their need through the Holy Spirit's gifting that he's giving you. Walmart can be a ministry place. Sometimes needs to be. Can we get an amen? You know, I mean, there's some weird places that we find ourselves in sometimes. Maybe a line that won't move. Maybe, maybe a delay in a plan, maybe a change in, in, in what you thought was going to happen. And God says, hey, this is the time. This is the time to say the thing that needs to be said. This is the time to talk to the person you normally wouldn't talk to. You know, um, when I first started ministering, I used to think it had to be packed out, no matter what we did, for it to be effective, right? You, you walk into a small group and you want your small group to be a room that's full. You walk into your church and you want your church to be a room that's full. But then God used some unique circumstances to show me that sometimes the room needs to be empty because full rooms make quiet people quieter. It becomes a place that's easier to hide. And so sometimes God will do this and part of Red Sea. He'll, 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 he'll have these people having other obligations so that the few could get together and talk about the things that they normally wouldn't talk about. I literally went upstairs in the second service last week. Um, second service had about 70 people that were sick last week and not able to be there. And I went up and I said to one of my real estate clients that had showed up for church. And, and I said, hey, you came to an intimate setting. And the person beside her leaned over and said, and these are my favorites. Because these are the moments I feel like no one puts on a show. And I thought to myself, I don't know about you, but I love the moments that I'm in a conference or I'm in a service and God hits and we can raise our hands and celebrate, but I don't love them near as much as the moments he gets in the passenger seat of my car. And we're worshiping and jamming going down the road. How many of you can have some throw down with God sessions on a highway? Anybody else like that? I love the moments that I'm in my shower and all of a sudden my shower head becomes the microphone and we're just <laughs> amplifying the glory of God, right? Are we there? All right. I mean, I love the moments that are alone because I don't have to worry what anybody else thinks. I love when I'm reading my Bible and God's revealing himself to me and there's no judgment in the room, just the grace and mercy of God flooding it. I love the moments that I can go to him and I don't have to worry about how I look and present and this because of what everybody else thinks. I can just go to God, whether I'm coming out from behind a bush because I've messed up or whether I'm standing before him totally exposed or whether we're just gonna walk through the garden. I love the intimacy of God and sometimes God will use inopportune timing to make moments intimate for you and I to come in contact with people that need to happen. Conversations that need a place. Rarely does the timing of God make sense. 
Rarely does it fit my schedule. And rarely does it work out the way I think it should. I'm saying this to you to get this picture. When your day starts to go crazy, start looking for God in it. And not just for what God's trying to teach you. Start looking for what God has done in, number two, placing you in inopportune places. All right, let's be honest. Did Jesus deserve to be born in a palace? Yes. Did Jesus deserve to at least be born in medical care? Yes. Did Jesus deserve the best of the best? Yes. But where was he born? In a manger. In the King James, they wrapped him in swaddling clothes. This one, strips of cloth. Why is it that they want us to understand that this was not the opportune, idealistic place for Jesus to be born? We're talking about an angel appearing in shepherd fields, but Jesus being born in feeding troughs. We look at the manger and we see this beautiful scene of hay and a baby, but a manger literally was a place that maybe just a couple hours ago, there was some nasty in it. Maybe just a couple hours ago, there was an animal eating or drinking or backwashing in the place that Jesus was born and without sanitation and without uh, pomp and circumstance, without all the things that you think the Son of God deserves to be birthed in, comes this lowly moment, lonely moment in an inopportune place. Now, I've found this to be true in my life. Normally, when I find myself in the circumstances and places I don't want to be, instead of turning into a minister, I turn into a I'm not the only one in the room. Normally, I'm the one that looks around and says, why me? Or God, why? What am I doing wrong? And and instead of saying, oh, I know why you got me here. Because a a few seconds later, some dudes are going to invade this scene that need this scene. Because if it was in the palace, the shepherds aren't welcome. If it was in the temple, they're too dirty. They literally cannot come in there unclean in that day and time. If it was in the place where it was, uh, where it was due and where he deserved, then, then certain people wouldn't be invited to the scene. And I find this to be true. My Savior was born in a manger, died on a cross, laid in a cave, and risen with one point. I wrote these down. I want you to get it. The way that Jesus was born made the gospel, which is Jesus Christ, invitational to the lowly. None of us would have been invited to a palace birth, but all of us would have had angels showing up. How many of you today say, lowly and unworthy, but bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ? How many of you today say, I don't see myself as the highest, but I know the most high has elevated me higher than I should be. Let me hear a shout to God on that one. Yeah, that's most of us today. Look at this. I wrote this down. The way that Jesus lived made the gospel valuable to any person at any time and any place. He's saying, hey, I I love how Jesus taught. If he's with farmers, what's he teach about? Farming, seeds, plowing. If he's with business people, what's he teach about? Money, investments, If he's with bosses, he talks about employer and employee relationships. If he's with homes, he's talking about fathers and mothers and husbands and wives. I love the fact that everywhere that Jesus went, he knew where he was. And he made the gospel available to anyone at any time, at any place. Isn't that the way we should live? That anywhere we are, anytime, any place, we make the gospel available, not just to the people we think deserve it but to the people that everybody else has forgotten about. 
We had an angel tree with 88 kids. I think it has actually surpassed 90 by the end of it, 91. That y'all within two weeks had totally funded and totally bought for. And to that, I say, God bless you, because I know that in society we look and we say, why are we helping? And we did not just help the jail. We helped every person in the jail we could. But a lot of people you helped, and we did not say this, nor will we go into detail, are right here sitting in this room with you. And we didn't want to come up and we didn't want to shame them and we didn't want to do these things. But what I love about it is this, that we're making sure that no matter what the decisions of a mom and dad are, that the kid is unaffected by bad decision, but instead given an opportunity to believe and hope in mom and dad even still now. Do you understand that? You know what that is? A beautiful illustration of what Jesus did in his life. He came to us who should be dead in the trespasses of sin. Our wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And what he did is he said, hey, I'm not going to lay the sins of your father, even the sins of you, on you. I'm going to offer you grace. I'm going to offer you mercy so that you can have a relationship still with your heavenly father, no matter what the circumstances are now. We need believers that are living in a way that say anywhere, anytime, any place, my life, let's make Jesus known. Let's make the gospel true. He died in a way, look at this. He died in a way that made the gospel available to the worst of the worst. I mean, I love this. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to teach our teenagers this because there's too many people trying to teach them to judge others. Do not forget Jesus on a cross looking at a criminal saying, today you're going with me. Don't forget Jesus looking at somebody on their worst day, getting what they deserve, getting heaven instead of total damnation and separation from God. Don't forget that Jesus prays to God and asks for forgiveness to the ones that crucified him there. And don't forget that at the end, he said, it is finished, finished the work and gave everybody the chance to be set free. I think it's important that you understand this at Christmas, no matter who you are, where you are in your life and in your walk. You are worthy of the gospel. You are deserving of the God's gift of salvation, not because I've said so, because heaven declared it in the way that Jesus was born, the way that he lived, and the way that he died. But look at this. The way that Jesus rose from the dead made the gospel what? Powerful and available to anyone who would believe. Anyone means who? Somebody tell me. Hey, somebody said me. I love that. Anyone means who? everyone. Stop trying to figure out whether they're going to heaven and hell and give them the way to get there. Stop trying to judge. I I hear people say, well, their actions, stop focusing on their actions and focus on the actions of Christ and make Christ's actions available to theirs. I tell people all the time, we get criticism sometimes because we minister people through their darkness, right? And and, and sometimes I'll I'll get outside influence that'll come in and they'll say, you are too easy. You don't preach God's judgment. Yes, we do. There are consequences for your sin. How many of you have ever heard us say that? There are consequences for your sin. How many of you have ever lived them? Fun, right? No. How many of you would still say that even though years ago, you still have certain things that are harder because of certain decisions you made. Slip your hand up. Absolutely, consequences to sin. But is there forgiveness? Is there cleansing? Is there hope? Is there a life beyond it? You better believe it. And so the truth is, is let's not forget the way Jesus died, but let's also forget, not forget that he got up out of a grave. The way that he rose from the grave means that there is power available to anyone who believes. It gave power to our weakness. It gave purpose to our lives. Now look at this. I think that sometimes we get into this story and we think, 
that everything that's going on is either because of us or for us. And the truth is that the places you are right now, the trial, the circumstance you might be in right now could be for the people around you. And so I, I think it's important that as we visit a manger scene, we realize there were no kings there. There was no gold, frankincense, and myrrh at the manger of Jesus. That's a, we've said it a couple of weeks ago. We busted some bubbles. The wise men did not make it to the manger. They made it to the house that Jesus lived in as he grew up. Don't go tear apart your nativity scene. But the truth is, is we need to understand that God made it very clear. This section of the manger is very short. It includes Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. And then boom. You would think there would be more about the process of how this happened. You would think there'd be more supernatural, spectacular things that were happening in the manger scene. And I love it that the moment Jesus ushers into the Luke translation of the gospel, at the moment that Jesus gets there, it immediately becomes about somebody else. The moment that he arrives, the story immediately shifts. And then he goes and look at it. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. That night, in that moment, the first sermon preached happened from an angel in the sky saying, hey, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, can you get that? Here's the gospel. This is what I love. You see, can I give you this? Once you accept the fact that Jesus came for you, once you accept the fact that he is Savior and Lord, there's a whole message they preach there. And once they accept that fact, and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, anybody want to say it with me? Ready? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. I love it. The whole salvation process right there. Hey, we declare he's Savior, he's Lord. I receive, I accept. Boom, party in heaven. Isn't that what the Bible says? There's joy in the presence of the angels, but what a message to lowly people. For unto you is born, you, you, you in the back row, you driving down the road right now, you sitting at home feeling too dirty to go to church, you. Unto you is born a Savior, and not just a Savior. He's Christ. And somebody say those next two words, right? The what? Lord. He is save and rescue and then lead. I love it. Meet you where you are and lead you out. And that's what I tell our critics. God did not call us as the Savior of the world. He called us to show people the Savior of the world. My job and your job, it is simple. Can we get it? It's to introduce even the dirtiest to Jesus and let Jesus take the work from there. Yes, we get to walk along the process. But my job is not to come in here and change you. My job is to come in here and say, your belief in God is the only thing that can change you. Your belief in Jesus is the only thing that can resurrect you. Yes, we will walk with you in your drug journey. Yes, we will walk with you in your sexual orientation journey to coming back to God's intents. Yes, we will walk with you in the darkest moments through divorces and bankruptcies. Yes, we will stand with you in the hard times, but we are not your Savior and we are not your Lord. But I promise you, the moment the Savior enters the scene, everything changes for you.
and you'll watch God change you from the inside out. I love this. The shepherds left their sheep, go to the manger, see this baby, and here it is. They go back to their sheep, glorifying and praising God. And after they went and saw, they had a different message returning. They sang a different tune on the way back. I think sometimes we need to understand that those two things, the inopportune timing and the inopportune places leads us to the why, because God wants to rescue the lowly and raise up the unworthy and give new status and new standing to those who are broken today. I'm thankful he did it in my life, but the truth is he just didn't do it in my life for it to be my story. He did it in my life for me to tell a story. He didn't just do it in your life for it to be your story. He did it in your life so you will tell a story. That today, there's peace and goodwill. I love that. Glory to God in the highest. Yes, there's praise. But on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. Now, let's be honest. If that's the gift that happened on that, what we now celebrate as Christmas night, where's the peace and goodwill towards men now? If the message was glory to God, but for you, peace, then ask yourself, where is your peace now? Goodwill, what does that simply mean? That's love. Not just a love that's experienced, but a love that's shared. Goodwill towards man, meaning God declared he loved the world and he had good intentions towards them. And our job and our hope, our message and our lives should be to say, I've experienced God's peace. How many of you have had a peace that passes understanding in times? How many of you would like to have that a little bit more consistently than you do now? Right? Yes, yes. You know what that comes from? A faithful walk and an intentional look and focus on God at all times in your walk. Is that easy to do? No, but is it worth doing? Yes. So in my inopportune times, I shift my mind to say, not only what is God teaching me, but what does God want me to look for here? In my inopportune places, I know that God doesn't make mistakes. I know that God has us exactly where we are when we need to be there. And maybe not for us, but for someone else. Christmas story is one of the most powerful stories that I think oftentimes we only use at Christmas. I literally, as I was studying for this story, wrote my Mother's Day sermon. As many times through this passage, you see Mary captured this and kept it in her heart. Mary saw this and put it close to herself. Mary saw this and brought it in. And I thought to myself, what a powerful mind of a mom to be able to do this. As I read this, I started seeing things in my own life. Uh, The fears that I can get of what other people think. The fears of what I can get about the calling of God in my life. Joseph gets called, gets scared of what people would think and almost shuts down the calling. Mary gets called and gets scared uh, of not being worthy and almost shuts down. What happens to this? We, We see that, hey, this Christmas story shows who we are, but the angels preach the gospel. The shepherds accept the gospel. They go see the gospel, and then they go share the gospel. And I think now, in a simple Christmas message is this. Stop asking why and start asking God what. What do you want to do in me and through me in this time of my life? What do you want to do in me and through me in this place that I'm in? You know, I think we need to get back to a place in our lives where we are content with God has us. I'm content in the circumstance. I'm content with these resources. And I'm content to be with these people and to do what God has called me to do. 
You know what I think is hindering the gospel more than anything in the lives of Christians right now? They always want to be somewhere they're not, have something they don't, and they don't like who they're with. Am I right? And at some point in my life, I've got to say, okay, guess what, God? I'm content. You've been good to me. Can anybody else right now just bow your heart, not your eyes, and just say, God, you have been good to me and mean it. How many of you could say, I can pray that and mean it. God's been good to me. You've been good to me. How many times have we taken for granted the people that are around us? You know, the most, uh, most thought about time of how important someone is, is the moment that person is gone. And it shouldn't be that way, should it? You know, hey, maybe this week and when you go home, you try to find the reasons you're thankful for your wife, you're thankful for your husband instead of the things that you're critical of. Maybe you're thankful for your kids. You know, even in their sleepless nights and temper tantrums, and I don't think they ever outgrow those, do they? You are one of those kids. That's true. I've seen some of you throw a temper tantrum, right? We need to be thankful that I'm right here right now, right? I mean, think about your journey. Think about your story. How many of you should be dead by now for some of the stupidity you've done? You follow Johnny off the bridge. I told somebody that the other day. I remember saying that to my mom. She made that statement, and that's an old-timey statement. I don't know if we make it anymore. If Johnny jumped off the bridge, would you? How many of you heard that growing up? You know what I said? I was so mad. I looked at her, and I said, it depends on if he survives. <laughs> if he makes it, I'm in. You know, like, that's not a good analogy for me. All right, now I hope I didn't just arm your teenager. But I understand, like, the thing is, is we've been there. How many of you deserve, and I, I, I think this is a healthy way to think. I mean, how many of you deserve more speeding tickets than you've had? All right, let's keep that going. How many of you, when you were younger, stole a candy bar or money out of your parents' wallet or purse? Stick your hand up in the air, all you thieves in the house today. All right. How many of you ever went to the place that you didn't tell your parents you were going? Or you told them you were in a different place? Wish my wife was here. That's a good one to get even with, right, Deb? I mean, the thing is, is listen, by the mercy of God, many of us should be in jail, but we're not. Dead, but we're not. Oh, all of us should be outcasts and never worthy to stand in the throne room of God, but that's not our story today. All of us have fall short, but that's not our story today. My name is not written in God's book of who he hates. My name is written in the book of whom he loves and cherishes and will protect for all of eternity. My name and your name has been recorded in places it should never be. Our story's been written on pages it should never be on. A word of God was written to amplify and build our lives. What a truthful thing that we do not deserve it, but we have it. But may we never forget that the people that are around us and the circumstances we're in and the things that we're not content with, they need those blessings of God. Now, I will say this. If God, if I, as a matter of fact, let's take this back. If you ever find yourself in a position and place where you look around you and you say, everybody's good in my life, then you might need to ask God where you got out of his will because God will take you to dark and dirty places to reach dark and dirty people with a gospel hope of there's a baby been born, a Lord and a Savior who Who's come for you? I, I, I heard a person at the gate when I was listening to a podcast. I've shared this three times this week. I pulled into the gate on a Sunday morning at 5 a.m. I was opening the gate, listening to a sermon, and I heard a pastor 
say a statement in one of my bad moments. I had a bad attitude that day. And I was like, I don't understand why life is so easy for everybody else, but hard for us. And all of a sudden, this is what he said. If you're not meeting Satan head on every day, there's a great chance you're going in the same direction. And I literally had to have my Job chapter 42 moment where I say, okay, God, I am a foolish man and I have said a lot of things that I knew nothing about, but you are God and I take it all back and I'm sorry. God has you where you are to fulfill a purpose not only in your life, but in the lives of other people around you. You say, but I got here by my own decisions. You know what? God can use you there. You know how many people right now are serving life sentences but leading people to the Lord in jail because God got a hold of their heart and changed their life? You say, well, they, they deserve to be locked up forever. And you know what? Their actions have taken them there and they have earned that sentence. You're right. However, they received the grace of God and God is using them to start revivals in our penal system all over the world. And aren't you thankful that where you are, God can use you. You don't have to be out of your stripes. You can be in your stripes and still have a testimony of God. You don't have to be without scars and wounds. You can be dripping with the blood, not figuratively, figuratively. You can be dripping with the problems, but God can still use you right where you are. We need people that are content where they are, loving who they're with, and trusting God to do things in this circumstance. So let's close with this statement. May we be willing to serve in the inopportune places at the inopportune times so that anyone, anywhere will have a chance to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'm going to ask you some simple questions today. How many of you would be honest and say that maybe if you're, if you're totally real and mask off today and totally exposed, that you're not necessarily where you want to be in life right now. And things aren't necessarily going the way you want them to go. Would you slip your hand up in the air and say, yeah, that's me. Wow, that's so many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how many of you would be honest like me? I'll slip my hand up and say, in some of those situations, I've had a bad attitude. Slip your hand up. Is there anybody else here today? that has heard God say, be still and know that I am God right where you are. And let me use your life in this season, in this timing, in this place. Is there anybody that's here that say, God, I trade my bad attitude for your calling and purpose, for you to fulfill what you want to fulfill and do right here in my quote unquote Bethlehem. Is there anybody here today that slip a hand up and say, God, here I am. Change my attitude. I surrender it to you. I want to be used right here where I am in this time, in this place to reach others for you. Would you slip your hand up? All right, take your hands down. How many of you would say right now the timing and the place seems pretty good for me? Would you slip your hand up? Life's working out the way you want it to go, exactly how you hope it would be. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you're happy. Slip your hand up. Anybody like that? All right. You should, by the way, that's not a bad thing. I think sometimes we get to invitation and it's all about who's what was me. Now, that's not what you just did if you answered a question. But we get to the whole, let's reflect on you. But how many of you can say right now you're in a season of God's abundance and you are in a season of joy and peace and goodwill as you're seeing what God's doing? Would you slip your hand up? Because I think at some point of your life, you need to be thankful for where you are and what God is doing. That's a good place to be. And maybe your life needs to become the life that looks at somebody else's season, somebody else's circumstance and says, I may not be where you are, but I will be with you in this season. 
And so if you're sitting here and you're like, hey, life is pretty good right now, then maybe the prayer needs to be, God, make me aware of other people's seasons. Let me see them where they are and what they're going through so that what you've done in my life can be a blessing in theirs. But how many of you'd be real today? I'm so thankful that God loves the lowly. I'm so thankful he cares about the broken. But can we be real? A lot of times we get so caught up in our own things, we forget the lowly and broken still exist. Anybody else in the room today say, God, help me to live in a way, even die in a way that brings others to the hope of Jesus Christ. So shepherds in a field or lowly broken people can still find value at the manger where you sent your son. Anybody else say, God, here am I. Help me to care for the lowly this year. Would you slip your hand up in the air and surrender that life, surrender that heart, and let's go. All right, stand up with me, grab somebody's hand. Listen, it's Christmas time. I want you to get this, all right? God has given you gifts three weeks in a row. You get out early, but the thing is that you gotta understand the most important gift that God has given you is salvation. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, there's no better time than now. The Bible says it's a belief. It's not an act. It's a belief. It's something that you gotta believe. Now, I want you with heads up, eyes open, to answer some questions with me, with your hands, please have total participation, all right? We never have total participation. I feel like I need to start with how many of you want a million dollars, then we would get totally participation. All right, but here it is. Um, I told you to grab somebody's hand, let it go for a second. Ready, here it is. How many of you believe totally, believe totally that God's word is true? Slip your hand up in the air, let's see that. You believe it totally. How many of you believe that God wrote that word for you? And that word is all about Jesus Christ and about Jesus coming and loving somebody like you and like me, dying on a cross and raising again. How many of you believe that? And if we put our hope and our faith and trust in his word, in his son, that God will do exactly what he promises he'll do. Would you slip your hand up? So that if God says, take your hands down, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, that if you today believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and declare him Lord over your life, that God will save you. If you believe his word and that he will do that, slip your hand up in the air. So the truth is this. It's not about what we can do or how good you are. It's not about how well you can behave. They didn't show up in the shepherd field and say, dudes, y'all smell like sheep. Go take a shower and then go to the manger. He showed up and said, hey, guys, there's somewhere you need to go right now. And so instead of thinking that you've got to get your life together, why not get to the one that can put it back together? And instead of thinking you've got to figure it out, dive into the word that has the answers. Today's not about where you've been or who you are. Today, your salvation day is about a declaration of who God is and what he has done and how he will accept you right where you are for who you are and change you from there. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, Romans 10 teaches us that if we confess with our mouth, openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And if you've never had a declaration of the heart where you tell God, God, I believe, I believe. Believing doesn't mean you have to understand. It just simply means that you're taking God's word for it. Do I understand everything that God can do? No, but I take his word for it. Do I understand how you can step and create the world just with words? No, but I take his word for it. 
Do I understand how somebody can get out of a grave? Absolutely not. But I take God's word for it and history proves it. And today you can say, God, I might not understand you, but I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to believe that you did this for me. The Bible says the only thing left is a declaration that Jesus is Lord. Would you make that declaration today? Is there anybody here that would confess to heaven the need of a savior and declare openly you accept him as Lord? Is there anybody slip a hand up and say, Pastor Josh, today I'm accepting Jesus as Lord of my life. Amen. God bless you. There's one, two up here. I'm looking in the balcony. Anybody else in the balcony? I'm accepting Jesus Christ as Lord. Anybody on the, on the floor? Today, I'm believing in my heart that he is the savior of the world, that he gave me, God gave me his son, but I am declaring with my uplifted hand that Jesus is Lord. Would you slip your hand up? Oh, wow. Yes, yes, yes. Many of us. What an awesome day. All right, now here's the thing. From where you stand, let's, the Bible says, don't be ashamed before men. If you're ashamed before men, he's ashamed before the father. That's what he said. So we're not gonna do that today. If you've accepted Christ as your savior, would you say this with me on the count of three? This isn't your salvation moment, but we're gonna make it known that Jesus is Lord of my life. Now, I don't want you to whisper. I want you to make this known because right now, suddenly in, in the heavenly place where God's throne is, there is joy in the presence of the, of the angels as God has gotten so psyched and excited about you. So I want everybody to look, and if you've accepted Christ today, on the count of three, I'm going to one, two, three, say it. Ready? One, two, three, say it, and you're going to, Jesus is Lord of my life. Ready? One, two, three, say it. Go. Jesus, Lord of my life. All right, if you've already been saved, you know he's your Lord of your life. Can we just echo that right now? Can we just shake hell and tell them that you lost so bad as our God has conquered? If you are a child of God today, can we just declare this on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three, go. Jesus is Lord of my life. Never stop saying it. Never stop using it. Let it echo through your home. Let it echo through your workplaces. Let it echo everywhere you go. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Don't be afraid of the God bless you as you leave and not in the southern way of bless your heart. All right, don't do that. Don't be afraid of the whole, hey, Merry Christmas. God loves you and I, I just think you need to hear it. Don't be afraid when you hear the conversation behind you of, well, we got to put something back. We can't afford all this. If God's giving you a bonus, just turn around and say, hey, in the name of God, I want to bless your family today. He has not forgotten you. He's seen you. It's not an accident. I'm in line in front of you. Please don't deny this. Please don't think twice about this. I'm covering it. Put it back on the cart. I don't know why I said cart. This is the cell. Put it in the buggy. <laughs> Am I right? Hey, be proud. Be proud of heaven. Be proud of God. I promise you, God is proud of you. He loves to call you his child. He loves loving you. Let's make that known. So I want to invite you back. Listen, I'm going to let you go. If you, if you got a kid and you're in the first, right after the second service, which rumor has it might be a little bit earlier dismissal than normal, we're going to start our children's party. You're invited. We'd love for you to come. It's going to be a great time. Miss Whitney's put it together along with others that are, are, are here to volunteer and smile and help. And it's always a good time. That'll probably start. Let's call that 1215. Is that safe? 1215, 1220. You're saying 12. Now you're limiting me. All right. Like, wow. She like throwing a, she's, she's, she's teaching me. The bell belongs to Whitney. I'm just kidding. All right. How many of you had the teacher that said that to you in high school? The bell belongs to me. 
yeah, but the tardy belongs to me if you don't let me out, right? Like, all right, so be here at 12, all right? And we're, we're going to have a great time. Don't forget, ladies, ladies, listen to me. It is, it's booking up pretty fast. There's over 60 people already signed up for our women's conference, all right? Get on the list. I had somebody walk by and say, y'all know I'll be here. I don't have to sign up. And I said, Chessa, put your name on the list, all right? Get your name on that list. Hey, it's a $25 charge. If that is a problem for you, let us know. A dollar will not keep you from this opportunity, I promise. Let us know. We'll get you covered. We'll get you sponsored, all right? We love y'all so much. Next week, 9 and 11 and 6. 9, 11, 6. We'll see you there. Wednesday night is our church-wide Christmas party. I'm going to give a very specific rule right here. At our Christmas party, we are doing a nativity competition where you can build a nativity. We called it gingerbread, but we're out, actually, if, unless you've gotten started, we're outlawing gingerbread. It has to be something without cinnamon. We have some people with some very deadly cinnamon allergies. So in that, graham crackers, saltine crackers, pretzels, stuff like that, no cinnamon. How many of you got it? Say yes. All right, there will be prizes for ugly sweaters and the best nativity built by a family. Don't come ready to build it. We're trying to encourage your family at home to do something together to where this is a great opportunity to sit down and explain the Christmas story to your kids. It's a great opportunity to sit down and go through Luke 2 as you do this. All right, so come ready for that, and we're excited. That's this Wednesday night. It will start at 6 o'clock. Okay, so God bless you. We love you. Grab somebody's hand. Now we're going to close in prayer. You're still going to get out early. You will beat them to Cracker Barrel today. All right, so let's get it going. All right. God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for our church family. God, that word, family. Without you, we would have none of this. But there's family in this kingdom all over this world. And I'm thankful that there's family we haven't met yet. But one day we will, standing with you around your throne. But right now as we stand here, God, my heart is overwhelmed with joy and gratitude and the gift that you gave us through Jesus Christ. I pray that we will not go through this season selfishly looking at our families and our needs and our wants without telling someone about your love and your gift that you gave. So encourage us to be present in our places and in your timing to carry the gospel to the ears that need to hear it. And it's in Jesus' name, we celebrate and pray this prayer. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a